Morning, everyone. Um, my name is Brendan, and uh, very excited to be part of the A-team who are going to be presenting today. Um, you know, sort of thinking back on, on, on sort of prepping for this, you, you're quite comfortable to, to travel the world and talk about your, you know, your, your, your work scenarios, and you can go out there and tell them about your profession. And it's hundreds of people you don't know yet when you uh, get to a church full of people that you know, all of a sudden that you know, the nerves start setting in. So I'm quietly nervous if that uh, word or that phrase even exists, but uh, really forward to keeping to my two-hour time slot, correct? Okay. Um, so over the past few weeks, we've basically covered the sermon on or covered the series on how 12 men changed the world. So the challenge that was presented to us was how do we take discipleship forward in our daily lives? That's meaning your workplace, your home, as well as your, your recreational time. Um, and the way we conduct ourselves is the concept that we refer to as the three A's, hence part of the A team. So obviously it's the attitude, accountability, and adaptability. Um, so JP, Ben, and I will be will be running through this. I've got the attitude section. Not that I've got attitude, but <laughs> attitude section. Um, no, but ultimately going through this now is, is, is how, how do we take what we've learned to make ourselves better disciples going forward? If you really think back on the disciples, you know, if you look at the impact they made over their time, you look at the Middle East and Europe by the time that they were all gone, they'd all died. You know, that, that, they'd made a massive impact if you ever look at the map. You know, there were no things like social media. There were no cell phones. There were no airplanes, cars, bicycles. They did everything through their feet, their actions, and their word of mouth. I actually went for a... a Minor surgery on Friday. You know when you get to the hospital nice and early, you fill in the forms, write name, write your name, surname, surname, age, 32, <laughs> weight, 70. Um, wasn't that funny. <laughs> but um, the thing that struck me, there was still a line there that said their religion. And the first way I reacted to it was, the heck does religion have to do with someone cutting me open? How does it make the doctors, how does it make the whole procedure different? And I was like on the brink of, you know what, I'm just going to scratch this out. And when I thought about it, scratching it out would have actually been equivalent to saying not applicable, which is absolutely not the truth. So, you know, the attitude at the time was, well, it's got nothing to do with them, bang, scratch it out. But... In reverse, it was, no, Christian in big capital letters. So it's just amazing how just a little thing like that, you know, you, you edge towards somewhere and then all of a sudden, hang on, what, what, something that you think is unintentional or is not going to have an impact somewhere else will have a major impact elsewhere. If we can go to the next slide, please, guys. Just um, a couple of general quotations that have come from uh, some impressive people. So if we look at... Nelson Mandela, it always seems impossible until it's done. 
Winston Churchill, attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. If you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. People may hear your words, but they feel your attitude. Okay, so let's look at attitude in our general day-to-day life. So words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude towards life. The single most crucial decision any person can make on a day-to-day basis is your choice of attitude. Attitude alone fuels a fire or it assaults our hope. So let's put this in a practical example. We wake up in the morning. In fact, we take a step back. We've often heard that phrase, um, oh, they've got up on the wrong side of the bed again. I think we've all been on both sides of that fence. Um, you know, and when you're on that wrong side of the bed, you get up and you're in a miserable mood. I know, I'm talking for myself now. <laughs> you know, kids are not getting dressed. You've got an 8 o'clock meeting. You're going to drop them off at school. You're shouting. You're like, come kids into the car. Lunch is packed. Drop them off. Driving down the highway, you know, instead of driving like this, you're driving like this with a routine. You know, um, veins popping out of your neck because you're so frustrated and God cut you off. Yet that whole situation and that whole scenario can be changed by just taking a step back, calming down, which often happens in our, in our household. I can see that my attitude impacts my kids. So by the time they jump into the car, they're really rattled, and I'm almost setting the tone for their day. So the great thing is, is just stepping back and saying, right, what's happened has happened, and we're going to pray. And on the way to, on the way to school, we say our prayer, and it's become, a, it's become a ritual. You know, the kids won't get out of the car unless we've prayed, but it, it sets the tone for the day, which is so important. Attitude keeps us going, or it cripples our progress. When our attitudes are right, there is no barrier too high, no mountain too high, no valley too low, and no dream that's too extreme. And there's definitely no challenge that will be too great for us. The only person who sets the tone of that attitude is you. Okay, so if we look at it... You know, maintaining a godly attitude, and we look at a good attitude just as a simple bullet point. A good attitude is important to everything we do. Um, you know, and it's up to us to choose what sort of attitude we want to embrace. We can take each morning dreading what lies ahead, or we can wake up being thankful for our blessings that we sometimes enjoy but often forget about. Again, let's put this into a practical scenario. So, what what would you do if you woke up this morning and all you had around you was the things you thanked God for yesterday? You know, our mindsets affect what kind of day we have. Um, it can either be a happy and productive day or it can be an unproductive and miserable day. Uh, deliberating in, a, in maintaining a godly attitude can change the entire outlook. And give us great results. So on the attitudes can be a contagious side. Um, you know, people's attitudes are 
are contagious. So we must be conscious of what we think. Often be conscious of people you hang around. You know, even if there's a lot of negativity swirling around, which there is nowadays, let's be honest, um, you know, we, we can deliberately reflect on this or change things and look at the positive aspect and reject everything else. Thoughts have power. They can either put us in a good frame of mind or put us in a bad mood. Paul understood this um, when he shared with the church in Philippians 4, 8-9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Sort of part of the, sort of linking back to this, the attitudes can be contagious, sort of bullet points is, is control. And I think this is the toughest one of them all. And, and I'm not speaking for myself. I know quite a few of you very well, so it's, um, <laughs> it's applicable to us all. Now, if we look at Paul, who suffered hardship and persecution, yet he still chose to be content. We don't have to let the external situations dictate how we feel on a daily basis and feel miserable inside. We can guard our hearts and refuse to allow negative thoughts to fester inside us. That way we actually control the direction of our lives. Uh, I sent our life group the other day. Um, we actually had a chat about, it was two weeks ago, Wes came up and he just needs that rest in December, yet in God we can find that rest. And there was a picture of a guy standing in front of a pack of lions. Um, you know, and the, other, the, the, the caption was, Control your emotions or be consumed by them. So controlling your emotions keeps the, lion, the pack of lions at peace. If you don't control your emotions, they're going to attack you. <clears throat> so if we go to Proverbs 4 verses 23, which again links back to the control part, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Conversations. Uh, we have to be conscious of our conversations. Sometimes we feel this is probably another, <laughs> another contentious point. You know, we we feel nothing to, or feel tempted to murmur, to complain, to talk about someone. That lovely word, Skinner. Um, you know, the power of speech, with which we have been blessed, we often use in a very negative way. It is easy to be swayed if you're not careful. But God gave us mouths and tongues to use for good or for the good of things. Whether we're in school, at work, or at home, we need to control our mouths. Next reading is Philippians 2.14 verses... Uh, sorry, Philippians 2, 14 to 15. 
Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Now, don't be surprised when you see this repeated later on by Ben, but it will just show you the complete cycle that we're trying to work through. Others first. So putting others first is also part of maintaining a godly attitude. Most people to, or most people seem to live by the world's attitude of every man for himself. And it happens. I mean, it happens in the corporate environment. It happens in our, in our day-to-day living. Um, this type of thinking forces people against each other and create, can create animosity and mistrust. A completely different approach is definitely the more productive approach. And again, there we'll go to Philippians 2, 3, verses 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own, to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So from the others first, you basically slot straight back into a, into a selfless attitude and selfless as in selfless, less of me, more of others. When we focus on the needs of a selfish attitude, we can replace it by a selfless attitude, which is what Christ dem- demonstrated to us many times. Um, And if we look at Mark 12, which is where Jesus was basically going through the commandments. And the second commandment, it says, the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now again, just taking a step back, if we look at our our attitude, it's something that we really need to check on every day. Um, And we need to tweak it if necessary. The bad attitude. A bad attitude can set us up for failure. It sets us up for anger, for bitterness, for emotional pain, which is not really what God has intended for us. If we occasionally struggle in this area, we need to turn to Scripture and to prayer. Uh, Elliot, last week, and one little caption that he he mentioned, is that when we pray, you know, praying is 10% talking to God and 90% listening. So we need to listen to God when he's giving us feedback in terms of what, our, what and where our, our attitude needs to be. So we need to listen to God, and he's the only one that can, can show us how to fix this. Then on the joyful attitude side, you know, we go through the control and others first and selfless. But if we don't have a joyful attitude, how does that rub off on others? I'm going to work today. Hooray. I mean, you've got to be joyful, guys. I mean, when you stand up here and it's that smile, it's that, it's, it's what people are attracted to you, then they're going to see that, that light of God shining out of you. So if you don't have a joyful attitude, you know, there's no point having a selfless attitude if it's not going to have a joyful attitude. Um, and if we don't get that, we're totally missing the boat. So the word joy, funny enough, is mentioned 214 times in the Bible. I think God's trying to tell us something. 
Um, there are people in this world that have never truly experienced joy in their lives. Joy is not an emotion that can be forced. It can't be fabricated and it can't be faked. Joy is not dependent upon our circumstance. Joy comes when we live in God's presence. So we'll go to Jude 1, 24 to 25. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before the glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. And another one from Isaiah 40, verses 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. So just to summarize quickly on the attitude side, no matter what you're going through today, no matter what you're going through tomorrow, or the weeks ahead, with God's strength, you can stay on the positive side. You can stay on the hopeful side. And remember, he has already won. Thanks, Plindon. My name is JP. Um, I'm married to my wife, my beautiful wife, <laughs> Nandi. And we have two redhead kids. Don't call them Ginger. No, you can call them that, don't worry. They're really special. Um, what I do for a living is I'm a quantity surveyor. And I want to share that with you this morning because I'm going to speak about accountability. And what I do every day is to quantify the cost of something. So everything in my life has a cost. Okay. And in the Bible it says that as well. So it's not just my reasoning this morning. But if you go out and you make a decision... I promise you there's a cost to that decision. Whether you make the right decision or whether you make the wrong decision, you're going to have to pay a price. So you can choose what you want to pay, but it has a cost. Um, and in my line of work, I've seen so many times that people make decisions quickly and I only estimate that cost three weeks later and then it's a big oopsie. Um, so for me this morning... This is a really special subject as well because I know there's a cost you're going to pay. You're not going to get away from it. So we're going to talk this morning about why would you not want to be accountable and just being honest and why would you not want to be accountable. Okay, You see the big not there? That means why would you not want to be accountable? It's going to be great if you are accountable. So first of all, why would you not want to be accountable? We're going to talk about P's. Um, so obviously you understand that numbers are actually my strength, eh? not, not language or words. So God has really blessed me by being able to summarize everything in a P. First of all, there's the personality. And I've wrote here and I've me messaged my, my good friend. Let me not share his name. But his personality, if he can lock himself in his house for the whole weekend, um, he'd be and on Monday he'd be so renewed and joyous and encouraged that that's his personality 
All right? Doesn't go for me. Um, but there is that personality. You've all obviously done personality tests these days. It's, a, it's an obvious thing everyone can do. But he's a big introvert. So a personality can definitely affect if you are going to be accountable or not. Um, because honestly, you could be encouraged and strengthened by being alone. Um, the second one is, is the past. So unfortunately... I've been in church since I was very young, okay? And I've seen it many times where someone was accountable and the other person they were accountable to messed things up a bit. If you ever wonder how quickly word spreads, tell people that you've just won the lotto. Tell one person and then you see what happens. So, so unfortunately, accountability is not something that we find in the world. It's something then we also don't really practice in the church because we don't have that trust. Um, we don't have that understanding amongst each other in a family that if I share something deep in my heart with you, please don't tell your wife. Please don't tell your best friend because I do not want to find out what I shared with you. And it's a touchy subject to say please don't share it with your wife, but that's a culture we have to create. The same goes the other way around. Um, don't share it with your husband. I've, we've spoken many times about this, but sometimes I'd stop my wife and I'd say, listen, I, I don't actually, it's not the story to tell over. Um, that was shared in confidence with you, so keep it, keep it for yourself. And that's difficult, eh? because we, I mean, it's my wife, you know, we share everything. Um, because of power, it's the third one. We do not want to be accountable. This one is a, an obvious one. Um, I've been reading a book the last while. It's, it's five close friends. We were together at school and we've shared this book, uh, Breaking the Mail Code. So we've, they've broken up the mail code in less than 200 pages. All right? That can be done for the male, not for the female. <laughs> but we've broken up that code. So basically, there's a few items, but... If we look at that mail code, and, and it's totally applicable on, on, on the ladies as well, but um, the male has emotional restraint, okay? It's just in our DNA. We do not, I don't want to talk about my emotions with anyone. So if I want to be accountable, unfortunately, I'm going to have to break that. I'm going to have to stop withholding personal information. I'm going to have to stop defending my own position. I'm going to have to stop trying to control Others behavior. Does this sound like the typical male to you already, ladies? Can I get an amen there? Not really. <laughs> Sustaining ourselves from assistance, acting in independently and competing. That one is, that's the one I circle. All right, so I'm very competitive. Uh, you guys can laugh about that. It's freshen up the vibe a bit. Um, and just being physically tough. So, Power, it's obvious, you obviously understand the term if we talk about the world, that we look at sex, um, money, and rock and roll as the band here, but that power would, would withhold you from being accountable. And then preference. So preference for me, it actually refers to it's my own preference. Okay. 
I do not want to be accountable. But the thing that just dropped in my heart when I thought about that is, is sometimes it's my preference because I'm really afraid to share what I've done with someone else. Okay, so then it becomes my preference to say, listen, I'm actually protecting you by not telling you what I did last week. Um, so, so then I can't hold you accountable. You can't hold me accountable. But that's, that's the four Ps for, for just why we would not want to be accountable. And, and I think in our current environment, maybe the past is a, is a big influence there. We've, we've been hurt by people that we've been accountable to. All right. So that's the negative stuff. So you can assess in yourself where you're at in that environment. Um, why would you not want to be accountable? And they, they kind of speak to each other. So the first one there is, is people. Um, and when we go to Hebrews 10.25, uh, I'll read it for you. You don't have to turn there. You can just quickly listen. We're running out of time. But... Why would you not want to be accountable? It's people. We look at Hebrews and we know that Hebrews is filled with, with a story of faith. Um, and we come to Hebrews 10 and the second part there, the heading is a call to persevere. So it says here, if we deliberately, sorry, verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Alright, so we see there, it comes to people. So if your personality wants to have you on your own, then I'm just going to refer you to this verse and tell you the Bible says so. Eh? We have to be in the habit of meeting together. We have to be continuously together. And it's not just meeting together. You must always read the second part as well. Eh? So the last part of the verse, the verse, and keep encouraging each other. Eh? And all the more as you see the day approaching. But let us encourage one another. So... It goes more. You can come to church today and you can sit there and you're surrounded by a lot of people. And I promise you, you might not be encouraged by one. So that has to be a culture. That has to be our heart as a family that we understand. When we meet together on this specific day, in this special time, even though it's habit of doing, encourage someone today. All right. The second one is protection. Um, Luke 10 verse 1 to 24, we see Jesus sending out the disciples. So, let me just quickly turn there. Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Then we go on and it says, do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet any, anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But what we see in the scripture is that God sends out the people two by two. Right. And when we go back to this, we see there was various reasons for that. If I would pitch up here today and tell you, I won the lotto, who of you would believe me? Okay. And if my wife stands up and she says, yes, JP won the lotto, who of you would believe us? Okay. And then Wawa comes up and he says, guys, like seriously, JP won the lotto. 
There's a power in being more than one. All right, and and it was it was necessary for that time. If you had to go out in that time and tell people, "Hey guys, there's a man coming this way," because they had to go out and prepare the way for Jesus coming. Hey, eh? there's a man coming this way. He's healed the sick. All right. He's turned water into wine. What else did he do? A lot of things. Would you believe me if I told you that today? So, there's a protection. First, back to accountability. If you want to live under that protection, you've got to find someone who will walk that road with you. Um, There's a power. So just as the previous power where we rely on ourselves, this power talks about what the word says, where two or more are gathered in my name. Eh? Where two or more of you ask for something in my name, it will be done. That's the scripture. That's the truth. That's what we see in the Bible. If two, of more, two and more of you pray about something, And ask for it in my name, it will be done. So there's a biblical promise that Jesus makes. Why would we not want to be accountable? You guys are following me, eh? And then the last one, and this is my favorite one, but it's the toughest one. Um, Maybe let's just quickly read that scripture. Just go back to power. Sorry, Howard. Matthew 18, eh? I hope I wrote the right one there, eh? If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. You have won your brother over. Um, Verse 19. Again I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for. If two of you, sorry. I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. That's, in my Bible, it's written in red, which means Jesus actually said that. Um, So there's real power in this, and we want to live in that power. I do not want to go about this alone. My favorite one is penitence. Um, To be penitent, or penitence, it means to repent. Now, if we go to John 21, we see that Jesus, his whole image is that he restores restores that. Peter sins against him three times. He restores Peter three times. Okay. His disciples go out on the boat. They struggle to catch fish. He tells them, throw it on the other side. And he waits for them on the shore, making them. And he's totally restoring them. So, we even go to scripture, my favorite book in the Bible I shared with someone else the other day. Just after Hebrews, we go to James, James 5 verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And there we see it again. It's the power of being accountable um, the Roman Catholics did something right by putting a little box where you can go in and share your your sins with someone who makes as if he doesn't know you. I always wondered. I mean, those churches are so small. You know, at least he had to know your voice. So do you go in like, Pastor, I 
did something bad last week. <laughs> but here we see there's a, there's a share your sins with each other. Not with a stranger in a booth. Okay? Don't go and go share your sins on Facebook with some chat group with each other. I have to have someone in this church I can share that with. Otherwise, I'm not accountable. Um, people actually want to be accountable. Do you agree with me or not? Must I give you some examples? When your work relocates you to Brantford. Do you know where Brantford is? No. Okay. Any place you actually don't want to go, then people all of a sudden are accountable. Have you seen that? Hey? People want to be accountable. If they've won the lotto and they have to now invest that 200 million. Well, we see the people who are not accountable. Okay? And then we heard about them five years later. They've lost everything. But when you have to make a really big decision in your life, people want to be accountable. So as much as, because we are sinful, as much as our sinful behavior keeps us and keeps us away from being accountable, we also do want it. But we actually just want it when it suits us. Eh? So accept this morning that you do want to be accountable, but be accountable in the right way. Police officers. If I join the police force tomorrow, I really want to be accountable. I would really appreciate the partner next to me when I have to go into a very dark building at night. And then the last one I want to share as well is people want to be accountable when there's real hurt in their lives. And what I mean by real hurt is I've grown up in a house where it's gone well. All right? So I've never had real hurt. I've, I've actually created my own hurt many times. I was hurt that I didn't do well at my exams, but I just didn't study enough. What I mean by real hurt is another friend of ours, perfectly healthy, trains six times a week, um, drinks enough water, and then he finds out that he can't have children. All right. Or you get what I'm saying. It's a scenario outside of your control. Um, I, I summarize that as real hurt. And, and Jesus, I think, saved me from real hurt until I, until I was about 28. But other people, you've got real hurt in your life. Um, and when that situation comes in, I know, and I've seen it time and time over again, that people step out and they want to be accountable. They come and they ask for prayer. They want to understand why stuff happens. Um, so I think we'd agree this morning that we want to be accountable. But to be accountable... As Grace Cove, we have to create that culture. And we have to be on the same page. Uh, don't try and fool the system. So many times, oh, man, this frustrates me so badly. But, but I hear people coming to me and then they tell me, you know, I've spoken to my mom and I've spoken to my grandma. And um, you know, they both agree that, that I should leave now. Don't try and fool the system. You know what it is to be accountable. And then people go and they be accountable with someone else. But not in this body. Um, and then it's sad. Those people leave and those people go. And in my opinion, 
there's a big cost they're paying, which they don't see or they don't understand now, but believe me, there is. Um, we look at the opposite of accountability. Uh, the best word that I could find for the opposite of, of accountability is impunity. Now, impunity, you've heard a lot maybe in the news over the past while, but impunity, the explanation of that word or the description of that word is exemption from punishment. So, if you're not being accountable, it means that you see yourself as exempt from punishment. Um, and then it comes down to this quote, when it comes to privacy and accountability, People always demand the former for themselves and the latter for, for everyone else. Um, I really trust that, that we're going to tie this all together. Um, to have a good attitude and to be accountable, we, I trust that you understand this morning. The A team, the last A, is that you're going to have to be adaptable. Ben, won't you come up? Um, we have to work on this as a team this morning and that's why it's so incredible for me that it's three of us sharing um, and three of us just trying to carry over the message that, that Jesus really loves us um, we're going to have a better attitude we're going to have to adapt we're going to be accountable uh, a big thanks to my colleague Barazia it feels like a Mid-term budget policy statement. <laughs> Only better, right? Right, so my name is Ben, married to beautiful Tina sitting over there. We're actually blessed with six children. Just that two are already out for her to come. Agreed with Auntie Annette and Auntie Sheila while Tina was not here last week. <laughs> okay, thank you. So when we were chatting at home uh, with Tina about this, so she, she was wondering, Ben, are you going to be the loud one or the soft one? And I, I said to Tina, whether it's going to be a Jobek thunderstorm or a Cape Town smooth rain, so as the Lord pleases, Tina. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm glad to be standing in front of you to talk about adaptability. Let's, let's go to the first slide. So from a business perspective, uh, adaptability is simply the capacity to be modified for a new purpose or new use. I think the key word there for all of us is capacity, which is what we want. If something does not have capacity, you try to modify it, you're breaking it. This is very important for us. We need to have that capacity to be able to be adaptable. There's a gentleman called Hitesh who early this year looked at how the, the, the Nokia cell phone just fell by the wayside. By virtue of being myopic, not looking into the future, being complacent. And that's what we want to avoid. The Samsung came in invested in research and development, worked with Microsoft. They came up with the Android uh, operating system. And the iPhone came in. It was a great revolution. I'm hearing an amen there. I'm sure we've got someone with an iPhone. I think what is important for us to understand is that adaptability 
has to do with time. Unfortunately, we do not live eternity or through to eternity. We've got a certain number of years that we live within which to adapt, within which to align with God's purpose. Hence, the importance of aligning our adaptability to timing. The Nokia could not make it up to this point because they didn't adapt in time in line with the evolving uh, customer needs uh, that are out there. So it's important that we understand that. The next one. So while we're looking at adapt, adaptation, I think just to bring it closer to home, this is home because this is, this is our area now. The other one is business, is for out there, but this is our area. So the capacity to avail yourself, let God mold you into a disciple, designed for missionary work, to win, to be a model, and to encourage souls. And the writer or the author is Ben, the one speaking to you right now. I think it's important that we understand the context of why we need to adapt, why we need to be accountable, why we need to, to have the right attitude. The devil is at work. He's mutating. That's, that's a, a biological term. He is deceptive, Brother Emmanuel. Mutation simply means a genetic evolution where an organism changes from one form to the other. In our own health sector, the reason why we've got scientists and doctors always working on drugs and drugs and drugs is because of this term, mutation. While they're trying to come up with a drug for this strain of malaria or that strain of this disease, by the time they get to that point, the disease has moved to another strain. So they have to start afresh. And that's the devil for us. We can never rest because of this mutant. He is evolving. Today is this one, tomorrow is that one. You can see there how he works. You don't know whether it's a fish chicken or chicken fish. You don't know. You don't know whether it's a fish or an owl. That's actually is from that, that owl fish is from, from Russia. So this is the context, ladies and gentlemen. The devil is at work. The devil is mutating. And what is our response? Our response is that from Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. We need laborers, laborers that have the right attitude, laborers that are accountable, laborers that are adaptable. We cannot afford not to be adaptable. In the business world, we need skilled laborers. We need skilled workers. Hence this uh, discussion that we have today. Right? I think the greatest example, if we can go to the next slide, the greatest example of adaptation is actually Jesus Christ himself. This is very important that we understand. The fact that Jesus was God. But because he wanted to get us to understand the essence of this whole, this whole issue about the, the kingdom, he came in the form of man. I'll read from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. We must have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to, to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. I think that says something about, I think it was a shame if you want to call it that way, 
I think they brought him down to that level. But that was for a purpose. That was adaptation for a purpose. I'm sure if God had kept that level as God, the one that we could not relate to, we could have a lot of cases of people not believing. But Jesus had to adapt to come to this level so that we could relate with that setup. That's very important. We see another form of adaptation from the disciples themselves. Remember when Jesus, when Jesus was walking about from Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. The first people that quickly threw down, or threw down whatever they were doing and followed was actually Peter and Andrew. The, the Bible says from, from verse 20, at once they left their nets and followed him. And verse 22, John and James they immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. This is an act, this is an event of throwing down what you're doing and following him. What is important is the process. And the process is where we get lost. The process is where we get tired. The process is where we need encouragement like what is coming through now. The process says we are working towards being like God. This is an event where we throw down everything we're doing but the process says, let's keep working towards God. Let's adapt ourselves towards Jesus, who is our example. We saw the first form of adaptation. When Jesus was about to be crucified, there's about three times when three different people stood up and said to Peter, you, Wena, you are like him. You, you are part of him. That says something. If someone stands up and says, you are like him, it means, in fact, uh, the, the, the setup was not good, but I'm sure Peter should have stood up and said, I think that's okay. Because he was being identified as the one he was following. You are one of them. Three times. How many of us get that out there? You are one of them. The setup was not good, but to me, the example was good. It means there was realization that Peter had done a lot to follow exactly what we want to do here, to follow Jesus Christ. And he was, at the end of the day, identified as him. You are one of them. Of course, we know where death is concerned, you try to run away as much as possible. The same, Peter actually could not stand for it, but the fact that he was identified as such, I think, is very important. So, adaptability, we see the, the disciples coming through, and what is important is to understand also that adaptability cuts across age. We see some of them becoming disciples in their teens. We see some of them, like John, going up to 85, 90, still playing along, still playing a part. So there's no excuse, whether you are a teen or you are somewhere in the 80s or 90s. The next uh, form of adaptation, adaptation, we see it with Paul. We know how Paul was. While he was in jail, he was, busy to, to try, he was busy trying to write some scriptures to encourage the ones that were outside. How's that? In our, in our case, we'll be like, hey, when are they coming to see me? Probably with better food. The food is not good in here. But this gentleman sits there, he's writing to encourage the ones that are outside. How's that? So Paul says, in his, to, to just illustrate how adaptable he was, he says from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, Though I'm free and belong to no one, I've made 
myself a slave to everyone to win as many souls as possible. From verse 22, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. We are not saying give up everything you are as a Christian or live or lose your identity. What we're saying is sometimes the holier-than-thou attitude will not work. We've spoken about Jesus Christ losing his form as God to be in this form, the human flesh. And Paul says, yeah, I will adapt for the sake of my weaker brother so that I may win them to Christ Jesus. Very important. Peter, the next one. So we, we know that the evening before Passover, Jesus did a gesture where he got some, some water, put it in a bowl, got a towel, and started washing his disciples' feet. Right? And this turns up our, our clever Peter at that time. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answers, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. While we go about this business of being disciples, it's important that we listen to God. There are times where God or Jesus does certain things for us so that we are made better people in this business that we're talking about. Peter, I'm glad Peter quickly learns because after Jesus spoke to him to say, if I don't do this, you are not part of me, he stands up, stands up and says, God, I actually my entire body. But this is someone who was saying no in the beginning. But he stands up now and says, Allah, God, my entire body, if you can or if you may. We need to learn quick. When God is speaking to us, we need to understand that he's saying something in terms of getting us to be molded into what we have to be. Last but not least, I spoke about the, 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 the Hauteng thunderstorm voice, but I think this one requires the Cape Town um, so smooth uh, rain. I, I think what we're trying to drive it is to say, while we're disciples, we adopt the right attitude, we are accountable. It's important that we understand that we need to avail ourselves to make God mold us into vessels that are fit for a purpose. Remember, this is not about strategy. We spoke about Samsung, we spoke about Nokia. That's strategy, but this one is not strategy. It's about submitting yourself to God. It's about allowing God to work in you. It's nothing to do with how clever you are. It's about submitting to God. Listen to this. From Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 3 to 6. So I went down to the potter's house. And I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was mud. That's a very important word that I want you to get hold of. Mud simply means something is not in good shape. It's not looking good. It's deformed. So the potter formed it to him. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. That's not uh, the end of it. Romans chapter 9, verse 20 to 21. But who are you? This is an instruction. 
lest some of us think that uh, it's an option. It's an instruction from God. As long as we're sitting here, as long as we proclaim to be disciples, this is an instruction. But, but who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some for special purposes and some for common use? We need to understand. Some for special purposes and some for common use. I think as, as we draw to the close of this, it's important that we understand that God can do it as he pleases. Either mold it as, a, as, as what we're seeing there or break it. But we want to say this morning, God mold us. God make us for a special purpose. But if, if we, are, we happen to be for a general purpose, that's God's will. We need to understand. We need to listen and say, God, use us for the purpose that you have designed for us. Sometimes it's tough because you don't just wake up and be one for a special purpose. It's tough sometimes. But we need to understand that probably at that point, God is saying, you are the one for the special purpose. I'm going to ask Colette to step up now and take us into a period where we're saying, God, make, make me into your, 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 your special purpose uh, or general purpose, depending on what you see fit. And that's up to us. It's our life. It's our duty. The call is ours, Colette. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So if I look over what I think God is speaking to us about this morning, is that Brendan's grumpy in the mornings? <laughs> we should play the lotto, hey? <laughs> and our phone is the phone to buy. No. <laughs> so the last nine weeks, ten weeks, um, we've been going through a disciples, looking at the disciples and um, it's actually been such a key for many people, myself included, in just changing how I look at Christianity, on how God can use me. Um, so I'd encourage you to go and listen to those on our website if you haven't um, heard them. I know our live group was saying they're actually listening to them again. But this thing of being a vessel for God is so key that God has molded us. Um, he even... Scripts, how, how it's up to the, the, the potter, how the wheel is turned and the shape and the timing of the things God done, does in our lives. And I, I just love this procession that we've gone through this morning, that our attitudes that are so linked with being accountable, with being adaptable so that God can use us. And so let's just, where we sit right now, I love how God speaks to us. The things that as these three men, I've got to get louder, as these three men were talking, the things that stood out for you, that's God speaking to you. The things that just jumped to mind, I like taking notes in church, and one of the th reasons I like that is because I write down, just if something comes to my mind, or God highlights, I write it down, and it's during the week I go over that. And so those things that just came to your mind, it's God speaking to you. So just in an attitude of prayer right now. Let's just pray. So God, I have chosen each one of us for a purpose, for a task. Father, I even thank you that it's, it's not up to us to 
decide how you use us or what we look like or what gifts you've given us. But God, you have made us perfect in your image according to your will for each one of our lives, for the time that we live in, for the place we live in, for the home we live in or lead or be led in. Father, take these empty vessels and fill them with your spirit. Father, make us adaptable and just mold us as you will. You see the future for our lives. You have the perfect plan for our lives. And so, God, who are we to dictate what we, how you should make us look, Lord? Jesus, I just pray for each one seated in this building this morning. Help us to know you more. We don't know you. Jesus, reveal yourself to us. Help us to know you more than anyone else we, we know. Closer than our husbands and wives closer than the children that we've even born. Father, reveal yourself to us greater ways. Thank you, Jesus.